Hello, hello, welcome back to the Silver Bartender Podcast, the show where we recover from life. I'm your host, Brandy Kelly. So today I do not have a guest for you. Today I want to talk about taxes and teeth. Why would I want to talk about that? I will tell you. When I was younger, when I was running and gunning and just living in the moment, there were some things that came into my view that absolutely sent me into a fear spiral. That was tooth pain. So we've all had, you know, problems with our teeth. That was like a genuine source of fear for me because I had had some dental work when I was younger. It was just, it was in my mind that it was worst case scenario. It was painful. It was scary. So I think somewhere around 20 years old, I had, I had really bad pain in a back tooth. And I didn't have, you know, dental insurance. I was a bartender, 19, 20 years old, and made five bucks an hour under the table. And so I go to the dentist and they tell me, you know, it's this and that, and you need a, a root canal and you need a this. And that just all seems really overwhelming. But there's the option of, or we can pull it. And, you know, they start talking about the the long-term consequences of having teeth pulled. You know, like, you need your teeth to chew, and, you know, you, you want to keep your teeth as long as you can. But in my mind, that was the, A, cheap solution, like right around 100 bucks, and just the quick fix to make it go away. And so... You know, when something would come up as opposed to going, like taking the time to spend the money to preserve the the tooth, I would get my tooth pulled. And I got a lot of teeth pulled, like a lot. So then, you know, fast forward, um, I have a job, you know, a bartending job to where I have dental insurance. And I'm kind of trying to hang on to the teeth that I have and I'm trying to take care of them. And then it's this really big feat to put it back together, I guess. You know, it's like because of all my quick fixes, then it's a really big plan to like fix what I kind of threw away. And um, yeah, that's still something that that I'm dealing with now. It relates to how I started drinking to where everything was a quick fix. Something would come up and instead of dealing with it, I would just do the quick fix to check out. And that compounded and compounded. And, you know, the same thing with taxes. I say taxes. I got audited in 2012. It was the first year that they started 1099ing for eBay sales. And I had an eBay account and, you know, my boyfriend at the time would sell his motorcycle parts on my eBay account. And if there was a friend that had like a motorcycle for sale or a car for sale, it was no big deal to be like, yeah, listed on my account. And then, you know, you just have to pay the fees and then, you know, you can take the profit. It's your, it's your vehicle. Well, 
like I say, eBay started, eBay and PayPal started 1099ing for, I think it was any sale. If you sold over 25,000 or more in the year, then you got 1099. So I was oblivious to this. I was just, you know, bartending, filing my regular taxes, not thinking anything about the eBay sales. And then I got an audit notice. And if you want to talk about scare the crap out of you, get audited by the IRS. Like that is no joke. It's terrifying. And, you know, you've got to go into the uh, office visit alone. So you can't take anyone with you except unless you hire a tax attorney, which that just wasn't a part of my thought process. I was never thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to hire someone and they're going to go with me and help me face this, right? So um I go in there and they say that I owe them $10,500. And I, this was 2012. And I'm just terrified because I'm like, I don't have $1,000. I don't have $500. You know, money was very easy come, easy go in my 20s bartending in Vegas. So... Um, I made a lot, but I blew a lot and it felt like life was good. It just, you know, there was not, there wasn't a lot of saving going on. So I went home and I did my due diligence and I found invoices and receipts and, you know, there's quite the production and, uh, packing and shipping supplies. And, you know, I came up with receipts and invoices from business costs. And I was able to get that amount down to like 6,500. And then the IRS gave me a payment plan. You just have to pay 150 bucks a month. No big deal. You do that. You know, you are going to be paying some, some interest in that, but you know, you'll be able to knock it out. Well, I don't know if normal people could easily just wrap their mind around that, but the person that I was could not. It was much easier to ignore that because it wasn't like my electricity to where the electricity would get shut off. And it wasn't like a car payment to where they would come and repo your car if you didn't pay it. Right. So I would make payments sometimes and then not make payments sometimes. And I just anytime I got anytime I did my taxes, I knew that my tax return would be going towards that balance. And I just put it out of my mind and I just went with the easy fix. Like just the easy, immediate gratification fix instead of going, this is important. And someday I'm not going to want a huge tax bill over my head. But I can tell you that as of now in, what, 2023, <laughs> 11 years after my audit, I owe them like $150. So that's like almost knocked out. But once again, I just, I feel like those, like the teeth and the taxes keep coming to my mind because they were things that if I had taken care of them in the moment, they wouldn't become this big, big looming issue. And it wouldn't be, um, it would be like some temporary discomfort, but then, you know, long-term it would, it would be well worth it you know, to have dealt with those things. And the same thing with drinking. Like there were times where I could tell that my drinking was, you know, getting a little bit crazy, but I just, 
I just wanted to make things feel, feel better in the now. Like I certainly didn't want to look at myself. I didn't want to look at what I was contributing. I just wanted to feel better. And for a time, drinking made me feel better. Then I went, you know, I went too far because then if I even got, if I even saw like an envelope from the IRS, I wanted to drink because I was terrified because I was avoiding this life, life that was compounding from my choices. I just, I was avoiding it all. You know, as if you heard my story, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that, you know, my drinking took over my life for a time and I went as low as I am willing to go. And I learned once I entered recovery and once I started doing some internal work, once I started taking the 12 steps, I learned that my choices were what determined my reality. But here's the thing that I didn't learn in the 12 steps. I was doing the best with what I had at the time. Like I didn't know better when I was avoiding, like when I wasn't making those IRS payments, like did I know I was supposed to make them? Yes. But did I know that it would have like a great impact on the next 10 years of my life? Not really. And when I went and I got a tooth pulled, Instead of getting the root canal or the bridge or the crown or the this or the that, you know, those things, I really, I did my best with where I was at and with the information I had at the time. So where I'm at now, you know, I went, I went into recovery with the gift of desperation I opened myself wide open and I was willing to take in any information that was given to me. And it absolutely was. And that is the great thing about AA and the 12 steps is that it's been there since the thirties. So no one's rewriting the book there. It's there. And, um, and it's helped a lot of people. Unfortunately, it's only helped, uh, but I think it's like a five to 10 percent success rate so out of all the people that go in and attempt to get sober or recover through Alcoholics Anonymous only like most people don't make it and I'm not saying they don't live but I'm saying they don't stay in AA so I went to AA and I took the 12 steps and I absolutely lived everything that I learned. And when I went to meetings and they told me, you know, my best thinking got me here. I went, yeah, my thinking is very flawed. Clearly I have a sick mind. And they told me that I have the disease of alcoholism and that if I didn't continue to do these things on a daily basis, not just continue to enlarge my spiritual life, but to follow uh, the, uh, the principles and the traditions and, um, carry the message. And if I didn't stay in the middle of the boat, quote unquote, then I was going to get restless, irritable, and discontented. And I was gonna, I was doomed for, for relapse, for jails, for institution or death. So basically I was told while in this like point of desperation and willing to 
willing to believe anything as long as it wasn't coming from me because I no longer trusted myself, that it was AA or die. And they told me that the drink is to die. They told me that I have an, an obsession of the mind and body and that for me, one drink might as well be a thousand. That once I take a drink, the phenomena of craving kicks in and I will be compelled to drink, uh, you know, just like I did before. They told me that my disease was doing push-ups in the parking lot and just waiting and that it was, that it's a progressive disease. So any amount of time I take off, it's right there waiting. And, um, I did experience that. I, I was in, I was in the program for 11 months, almost a year. I was 10 days away from a year and I drank again. And I did right away. I did not control my drinking like I had planned. I went right for just blackout drinking, hiding the drinking. I mean, it was clear and but like it was obvious that I was right back where I started, except that I was, you know, digging a deeper hole. But part of me wonders, like, is that a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like, is that, is it like when somebody says, you know, don't cross the street, you're going to get hit by a car. Don't cross the street, you're going to get hit by a car. And then you just have it in your head and you're told that over and over and over. And then once you go to cross the street, like, do you, you know what I mean? Like words matter. So is this what we're manifesting in our life? Like, are we, do we believe it because it's true or is it true because we believe it? I hope that's not too confusing, but it's just, you know, is it actually our truth? So since starting this podcast and since meeting all these different people and exploring different parts of recovery and different pathways to recovery, my, what felt like an unshakable foundation in my program has absolutely been turned upside down. And I'm questioning what thoughts are mine and actually resonate with, with me and who I've become now. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful and I have so much love for what I learned in taking the 12 steps and in what I needed in early recovery. I absolutely, I absolutely needed like the structure and I, I, I needed what I got. I got exactly what I needed, but I've really been questioning what I need now because these things don't feel like they fit anymore. I don't, you know, step one in the program is we're powerless over alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable. There's a problem there because I don't feel powerless over alcohol. I work in a bar. I have since early recovery. Do I think that I could crack open a drink and just drink one? Um, I don't really know, but I do know that I've chosen not to for, you know, one day at a time for almost 900 days. And AA tells me that it's not me that's doing that. It's God. It's my higher power. But I am source energy 
in the flesh, right? Like, what is God? Like, God is source energy. God is is energy and is love. And that's what I'm made of. And that is absolutely in me. And that's what's kept me sober. And I've continued to choose not to drink. I've had every opportunity to drink. And I've had a lot of uncomfortable thoughts and uncomfortable feelings. I haven't taken a drink. And I don't know if it's a, I think it's a result of everything, but I just, I no longer feel like I can tell other people that they're powerless over alcohol or that their lives are unmanageable. So I've been in this bunk, like this, um, I don't know, like this in-between place to where like, there's no question that it saved my life, but also internally, there's no question that it doesn't fit anymore. But we're, we're told that we continue for a lifetime. And um, we're told that what worked in the beginning will work now. And to just keep doing that and to keep practicing those things. Um, something that I do feel strongly about is the 12 steps introduced me to myself. But they also cleared my pathway to that source energy. And I do believe that they are there to develop a reliance on that energy, on your relationship with whatever your higher power is. So if we continue to nurture that, if we continue to seek within, I mean, they say that we don't graduate until we die, but is there also the option where we can gain new information, like gain new perspective And, you know, instead of saying, oh, I've got the, you know, the stinking thinking and uh, my best thinking got me here, so I can't trust myself. Is there a point where we can look at ourselves and say, actually, I'm, I'm doing amazing and I can trust myself and I can trust myself to make my own decisions and I can trust myself to look at the information I've been given and decide which parts resonate with me and maybe which parts don't because there's a lot of thoughts and judgments that I've vocalized about myself. And I've noticed that in doing this podcast um, where I've vocalized these things about myself, like, Oh, I was just a bulldozer and I would come into people's lives and I would, you know, mow them over and then move on to the next. But I didn't have that viewpoint. That was my viewpoint so that I didn't see myself as a victim. But really, I was was doing my best with where I was at. Did my best suck? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. But I was also a person that was hurting deeply. And those hurts really ran my show for a long time. And avoiding... The thoughts and feelings ran my show for a long time. And, um, I'm taking a new, uh, a new route to all of this. And I am looking at the parts where there's the deep hurts and I'm giving them love and I'm giving them kindness and I'm giving them acceptance for being there instead of putting them in a column 
or putting them in a list or using them as, as something to identify with somebody else. I'm just, I'm letting myself be for a little bit. And, um, the most incredible things have started happening since I've started down this little, uh, this path to myself. And it's a little bit of deprogramming is what I'm doing. Um, a lot is, a lot is falling away. I'm meeting people that have got sober in AA and then have left AA and continued to find their spiritual journey without the structure and the narrative of, of the group. I don't ever want to speak ill because AA absolutely saved my life. What I got was absolutely what I needed in the beginning. But it also makes it really hard when you realize that you need something else. There's a lot of guilt and shame and fear in leaving and in trusting yourself. Even though you've developed this intuition and you can trust it if you're working with a sponsor and if you're going to meetings and if you're doing all the things, but you can't, you can't trust it unless you X, Y, Z. And I don't agree with that anymore. So I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of ways to recover. And right now I'm recovering myself without the programming and I am getting to know who I am without the parts of me that were kind of explained to me in the steps. And then my story's looking a lot different and my future is too. You know, I feel, um, I feel called to still, carry the message of recovery and I feel deeply honored to be able to serve people, to be able to help anyone that, you know, that, that wants help, that wants to hear that there's another way. And lately I keep hearing these voices that they have no interest in going to AA. And, you know, we would say in my lineage, we would say, you know, unfortunately, it's just not bad enough yet. They're not desperate enough yet. They don't want it bad enough yet. And that's that's kind of like saying, you know, somebody that really could use like a weight loss coach or, you know, could use some medical intervention. You know, oh, they're not 400 pounds yet. Just wait till they have their first heart attack or it's like, no. You know, you don't, you don't have to reach those points. And I mean, I, earlier I mentioned that only about five to 10% make it in and stay in AA. But like, what about everybody else that just walks in there and says, this is not for me? Like, what do, what do they do? So I talked to, I mean, I don't, I see a lot of bartenders. Um, you know, just on Facebook and stuff, but I see that, that they're quitting drinking and they're living 
happier and they're posting, you know, that they're working out and, you know, that their relationships are better with their families. And I just, I love and I love that for them. And I admire that. And my mind before would be like, oh, that's just, that's a dry drunk. They're not emotionally sober. They're not, if they're not working and living the 12 steps. And it's like, when did I sign this eternal soul pact with this program that said, you save my life and I'll serve you infinitely? I did not. And so once again, like I said, I, I am so grateful for what AA has given me. And also I can, I can no longer carry the message the way that I received it. So, you know, I know that that will give different people different feelings. I know that if I had heard someone say that a month ago, I would, (laughs) I would be praying for their soul. But yes, life has opened up in some really magical ways. Um, My, my meditation practice has absolutely deepened. I'm excited to get up and to sit down on my butt pillow and just start into my breathing and just see where it goes. And I've been uh, listening to Ram Dass again, and I've been listening to audiobooks as well as reading books and just educating myself about alcohol abuse disorder versus the term alcoholism. You know, they're changing, they're changing the narrative of what, what it means to be um, a drinker and what it means to, you know, to go down the path of, of what we call alcoholism. Um, you know, Dr. Gabor Mate, he says that we, that we all have some kind of trauma. And that we think that we're treating this quote unquote disease, but underneath that is the trauma. And I do feel like all of us have something that needs to be healed. And in AA, we call it the God sized hole. But I can assure you that I have filled that hole with God and there are still some things that need to be healed. You know, that 12 steps don't address. No one in AA is qualified to, you know, they're not trauma therapists. And we really, we kind of tiptoe around that and recommend outside help there. But um, I read the um, the abstinence myth by, uh, what's his name? His last name's Joffe. And that... That was something, um, hearing the perspective that we can't help people until they're abstinent from their drug of choice. So they're abstinent from their, um, you know, from their alcohol, but he, uh, he brings in moderation and, you know, there are people that absolutely positively benefit from abstaining completely. But he brings up a good point of individualized treatment of not just putting the blanket on to each and every person whose drinking gets out of control and labeling them alcoholic. But you know what that label does is that makes it so that then the insurance companies can get involved because then it's a disease, right? Then it's a medical condition. Um, 
once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Like that's what we're told. And that perpetuates shame. So then if something happens, if, you know, if someone has a slip, a slip, it's never a slip. (laughs) But if someone, you know, regresses into old behaviors, there's so much shame. You lose your count. You lose your knowledge. You know, you're a newcomer again. You did something wrong. The program, you know, the program didn't fail you. You failed the program. What weren't you doing? We're human, man. I feel so inclined to just let people know my ego is shouting, but you didn't do that. And I'm like, you know, that's not the point. Like, I'm not, I'm not regressing into, you know, using or drinking. Like, I'm feeling and healing and learning and growing and I don't want to keep telling the same story about myself I don't want to remember that you know I'm an alcoholic every day I want to remember that you know that I am so much more than that and that there was a time a long time where I struggled deeply I did suffer deeply but that's not the story that propels me today What I'm doing right now propels me. I want to help other people find their why and find their way out. And, you know, I don't want to keep looking in the rear view. Because that's I'm not going there. (laughs) That's not where I'm headed. I don't know where I'm headed. And that, I mean, I describe the path, like, you know, the journey. This is, this is the life journey. This is. This is it. And, you know, we can't see the path because we're not supposed to. And when I picture my path, like my life's path, I really picture being in the trees. And I picture, you know, like there's all these little forks that come up. And in my opinion, both forks lead to God because, hello, like we're in, we're in the forest. We're, we're in the world. Like this is, all of this is creation. All of this is connected. We're all just this vibrating energy. Like how amazing. So there's no wrong way, but there are choices that we can make that lead to suffering. There are choices that we make that can kind of lead us in a circle to where we stay in the same little safe path. Right. We say in the same little safe loop because we know it and we don't want to go outside that because that's dangerous. I'm not afraid. And I'm I'm leaving my comfortable path to go into the unknown. I'm ready. I figured I would just put this out here and just I don't know how it started with teeth and taxes. And here we are. I guess the correlation there is new information. We do our best with the information we have at the time, with where we're at, you know, in our mind, body, spirit, humanness, in our journey. And um, when we get new information, then we do better. Once you know better, then you get the opportunity to do better. And so, yes, working on now taking care of my you know, dental health and just about done paying off the IRS. 
and I file my taxes on time. I don't floss after every single meal, but I certainly do. Um, I certainly do floss and I'm able to be more mindful. And I learned that from the hard things, but I don't have to, I don't have to stay in that place to make a better choice. Now I make a better choice because I'm living better and I'm connected to myself. Myself. Yeah. So thank you for listening. You know, if you're, if you're struggling, I just want to say, you know, the only thing that we hear, I feel like everybody knows what AA is, right? Like if you get a DUI, they're sending you to AA. You know, if your family gets worried, they're sending you to treatment. And when you go to treatment, there's AA there because it's been around forever. And that's the information that we had in the thirties and that, you know, the medical medical community didn't know what to do with us. That's why they were putting people that had drinking problems in, you know, in psych wards. And then these, you know, guys came up with this, you know, with this program where, Hey, like, here's, you know, here's these things that we need to, you know, to dive into ourselves. And then if we just go around and help other people, it's going to keep us sober that day. And, you know, it went on and on and on. And it's amazing. But it's no longer the only way. There are multiple ways to get sober. So if going to a meeting doesn't necessarily resonate with you, there are other options. But it's really hard to find those options. Like, I never even heard of anything but AA, and I was like, I'm not going to AA. I did, and I'm here. There are options. There is smart recovery. There's recovery dharma. There's um, celebrate recovery. You know, there's a lot of a lot of options out there. So I'm working hard on my end and doing research so that I can bring you people that are doing this thing in different ways. So, you know, if, if AA doesn't resonate with you, then maybe recovery Dharma will. And if that doesn't, maybe some, you know, medicinal therapy or trauma work does, or maybe just going to the gym works for you. I don't, you know, there's no limitation. There's no one right way to, to get through, to grow through what you're going through. That's one of my favorite sayings. So we'll go with that. Just be really honest with yourself. Because I feel like you know you best. And if you really peel back the layers and you really connect with yourself, you know, if you know that what you're doing is absolutely working and you feel like you are where you are supposed to be, then God bless you. But if you feel in your heart of hearts, in your solar plex and in every part of your being that you're only staying there because you think you're supposed to, because you don't want to make waves, because you don't want to disappoint other people, or you don't want to get uncomfortable, I can assure you that you're going to continue to get more and more uncomfortable until, you know, something gives, because that's where I'm at. So thank you so much for listening. Every single one of us matters.
You matter. I am so glad that you are alive. I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, if you relate to anything that I said, please leave a rate and review. Somebody left a review like a week ago that said that this podcast is saving his life. Holy shit. I cannot describe how much that means to me to know that that this is actually impacting people. You know, it's not, it's fun and it makes me feel alive, but also just thank you for sharing that because it, it means the world to know that, that it's helping. So if you have any questions, if there's any topics that you would like, you know, to come up, I am very much really want to start doing these solos and I feel like I haven't been able to and now I know why because my message wasn't clear yet but I'm ready now so thank you thank you I love you guys what a cool thing this is I love (laughs) so yeah until next week this is the sober bartender Brandi Kelly signing off